this sounds fun, but I'm not old enough to go. Okay, and I'm not old, you know, I'm going to be 43, but I'm also not young. And here's how I know, because in social media, I get advertisements for shoes that you don't have to tie. Because, you know, my algorithm's like, you don't want to bend over, do you? I'm like, not really, it hurts, so let's not have to tie the shoes anymore. Uh, here's another reason I know that I'm old, because I'm in a pickleball league. I'm serious. Anybody else play pickleball? Okay, Yeah. Uh, we had a tournament yesterday. My son and I were on a team. We got second place in the tournament out of two teams. No, there was three. All right. Um, he's really good. I'm just ruining it for him. Like, he'd be awesome. Here's another reason I know I'm old, because I have upstairs ibuprofen, downstairs ibuprofen, car ibuprofen, and then work ibuprofen. All right? Yeah, you got to have it all over the place, because you never know what's going to happen. And also... When new technology comes out, I'm just like, I'm not learning this, right? I'm not. I'm done learning technology. No, but really, here's how I know that I'm old, getting older, because my older two kids, who are 18 and 19, are both moving away. My daughter is moving to Mississippi uh, a week from today, because um, she's studying how to get as far away from Ohio as she can. Uh, She's going to her second year at Mississippi State, and, but she's moving. She has an apartment, so she's like going to be gone, and it's weird. And then my son, the other night, we were playing pickleball. He got the uh, message from his recruiter that he got accepted in the Air Force, so he's going to be leaving soon, too. And I almost feel like empty nester, but like, I still have my seven-year-old son, and like, we have a cat and a dog and my wife and all of that, but it's weird because I have these two empty rooms in our house, and so it's hard, right? It's hard. Uh, they say absence makes the heart grow fonder, but it's also really difficult, and yet it's better. Because it's better for my kids to move on and to create and build their own lives. Forcing them to stay would be unhealthy. So leaving can be hard, but it can also be good. Now, what about Jesus, though? I mean, think about this, because there's a time in, in, when Jesus was on earth, when he, was, he told the disciples that he was going to be leaving. And how could it be good for Jesus to leave, because you're going to find out he says that it's good. And, and for his disciples, they probably couldn't imagine life without Jesus. He, Jesus had warned his disciples that he was eventually going to be leaving them, but they had grown so close, they'd shared so much life, they'd become so dependent on, him, on Jesus, how could they deal it with life without, without him? And so in that, we step into the account of this in John 16. So we're going to be in John 16, if you want to Open your Bibles if you want to use the U version or Dwell app. We'll have the text on the screen. But in John 16, verses 5 and 6, here's what Jesus says. He says, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm, where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. So Jesus tells them that he's going to go back to the one who sent him. So he is going home to his father because he was almost finished with his purpose here on earth, and he was going to go back home. He was going to go back to heaven with his father. But the disciples, they couldn't understand this, right? Even though we had told them, because they were so filled with grief. Have you ever been just so emotionally taken off guard, you really can't even compute what people are saying to you? You know, they were consumed with how their lives would be affected if Jesus was really leaving them. Where was he going? How were they going to get by without him? Who's going to lead us now? And so they're filled with grief, right? Well, what Jesus says next to them was meant to calm their hearts and, and, and to give them some hope. So he goes on. Jesus says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. 
And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. So the bottom line truth that I want you to walk away with this morning is this, that what's best for us may not make sense to us. And maybe you know this. You know, I, I was with my family yesterday. I asked, hey, give me some examples of something that didn't turn out. It wasn't the way you hoped it was going to be, but it ended up turning out better. So I talked to my daughter, and she said, well, originally she wanted to go to Georgia State, and when it, it fell through, she said she cried through hard, so hard she threw up and then had to go to a job interview after that. So that was a mess. Uh, but now she loves where she goes to school, and she found a great group of Christian friends, and they've, they, she's, she's following Jesus closer than she has, ever has. It's been awesome. Uh, my son, one time I asked him, he, he told me he got a speeding ticket one time uh, for going 80 and a 55, which I guess is illegal. Like six months after he got his license, right? I'm like, dude, I can't believe your car could go 80. Was a Lamborghini pushing you? So he gets this ticket, and he was so terrified to come and tell me because he thought I was going to flip out. Uh, but I didn't, right? Because, I mean, I got a ticket when I was 16. I was speeding, and it's not like I always drive the speed limit. So, like, you know, and I mean, I told him, I was like, well, you know, you're going you're gonna to face some consequences from this. So me, like, yelling or anything isn't going to really help. And I said, you know what? I love you. I gave him a hug. And he's like, that just went so much better than I thought it was going to go. And uh, I asked my wife. So my wife got her master's in higher education administration. She wanted to work at a college, but really had trouble finding a job at a university or a college in this area. So in the interim, she took a, she took a role at a medical facility. And over years of hard work, um, she's been promoted multiple times and is now the director of finance for this medical organization. And it's just been awesome for her. So there are times in our life when what's best for us may not make sense. And it may take a long time before it ever makes sense. So, so how is this going to make sense to the disciples that it was best for Jesus to go away? Well, it was best because we get the Holy Spirit right here. Jesus says... It's best for you if I, that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I'm going to send him to you. So he says that the advocate won't come. And in this, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. So up to this point, God's Spirit had come upon people at different times for specific purposes and for reasons. But God's Spirit had never permanently indwelt believers. And what the Bible teaches is that when we place our trust in Jesus... God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, literally comes to live inside of us, and that's what Jesus was explaining. Now, look at what Jesus said to his disciples just two, two chapters earlier. He says, and I will ask, he was already talking about this. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. So Jesus was promising, even two chapters ago, the permanent personal presence of God with his people, with his disciples then, and you and I now through the Holy Spirit. Well, when Jesus walked this earth, he took on the limitations of a human body. And maybe you're like me where sometimes I thought, man, if Jesus was just here right now in person, like you could just fix whatever I'm going through, right? In my mind, that would be the best thing for me. But here's the problem with that. Well, two problems actually. You know, if Jesus were to show up for me physically in, in a body again right now, he wouldn't be able to do the same thing at the same time for each one of you because he would be limited by a human body. But when the Spirit of God is in us, who's unlimited, we can both, we can all have God's presence, real presence in our lives at the same time. He can be comforting you while he's comforting me. He can be guiding you while he's guiding me. And that's an incredible gift. And also, I have learned 
at least in my own personal experience, and I believe this is biblical because, you know, Paul, when he wrote to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, says, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. I have learned that when God primarily works in my life, it is through other people, right? I pray for something, and I guess I'm just expecting God to do a, a miracle or a magic trick or something to make it happen, but often I find that he sends other followers of Jesus who have his spirit to come and do what I have prayed for. And the disciples just didn't get this. And maybe you struggle with it too. So again, the bottom line is that what is best for us may not always make sense to us. I want to jump back to our verse in John 16, verse 7. It says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. So I want to unpack that word advocate a little bit. Excuse me. The, the, The word advocate comes from a Greek word that means paraclete. And it it is someone who comes alongside of you. So the Holy Spirit is someone that Jesus has sent to come alongside of us in several ways. And here's how the Amplified Bible explains those ways. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper or paraclete, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, counselor, strengthener, and standby will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you to be in close fellowship with you. So those words right there are are words that can be associated with that word paraclete. Um, So Jesus then goes on to describe what this Holy Spirit is going to do in our lives. It says, when he comes, he will do some things. He will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Now, that word there, convict, could also be translated to convince or to prove or to persuade. And so Jesus is saying that when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convict the world of, well, the first, it's sin. Now, you might be thinking, like, all right, how is that good for us, right? Because that word convict sort of has a negative connotation. If I told you this morning that I had been convicted of a felony, you probably look at me different. You might even find a new church, right? Because there's some negative connotation with that. And, but it's a good thing if we are convinced or convicted of our sin because that conviction can, turn, can cause us to turn or push us to turn to Jesus, right? And Jesus specifies that the number one sin that causes us as hum, humans to be judged is this. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Now, you might say that you believe in Jesus, but, but every sin that you commit in one way or another is rooted in unbelief in Jesus. Let me give you some examples. We'll go to some classics, all right? Well, let's talk about greed. So you may, you may not consider yourself greedy, all right? And I'm not saying you are. And you may come here and you say you believe in Jesus and you sing the songs and you hear the preaching and you love it and, and you would say that Jesus is God and, and you're a Christian, right? But then what really helps you to go to sleep at night or really helps you to get up in the morning is knowing that financially you're all right, you know, um, that you got some extra spending money, that your IRA is doing okay, your, st- your portfolio is doing well. And that's really the thing that gives you comfort, right? Because let me ask you this, if it were all wiped out, financial calamity, would you be okay? Or would you just, or would it be like, man, I don't know how I'm going to go on without this, right? Because, because what we're looking to is money or things for security or contentment instead of Jesus, 
right? So maybe on a Sunday, you say you believe in Jesus. Maybe you actually believe in it. But on a street-level, functional view of your life, Monday through Saturday, is it really Jesus or is it something else? Could be a lot of things, right? Let's talk about sexuality. Why not? Okay, so, you know, sexuality outside of biblical guidelines is this. You don't think or you at least ignore that Jesus, as God, knows what's best for you. Because, you know, God is the creator, right? He created everything that we experience, everything in our universe with the words of his mouth. And he created you. You were not an accident. You may have been a surprise, but you were not an accident, okay? You were created. God knows you. He made you. Okay, he knows you, he loves you, he created you, he knows what makes you tick, he knows how humans should relate to each other, and yet when it comes to sexuality, we say, yeah, but I got a better idea. Who are we to tell God how we should function instead of what he tells us? Here's another one that you may not even really consider something that is sin, but, you know, lack of forgiveness. Because you may have been hurt, and genuinely hurt, right? You may have been hurt by the church, someone in the church. And maybe you're just hanging on to this unforgiveness and this bitterness, and you know the world would say, yeah, make that person pay, right? And so you're just walking around with this unforgiveness in your heart, and the reality is, is it's killing you. You think it's harming the other person, but that person's probably just living their life. They don't even know that you're mad. They don't even care. But here's the thing, is that for unforgiveness is when you truly don't understand how great your own sin is that Jesus had to give his life to forgive you. And yet, if Jesus gave his life to forgive you of everything that you have ever done or ever will do, how can we hold, withhold that same forgiveness to other people? It'd be like if you had a million-dollar debt and the bank just wrote it off, and then you walk, you're out driving home and you see somebody that owes you five bucks and you go out and you beat them up. That's ridiculous, right? How can we hold unforgiveness when Jesus has already forgiven us for so much? You see, it's a good thing if we feel convicted or convinced both of our own sin and need for a Savior. And so I'm going to ask you to ask yourself this question, which is really uncomfortable. What have you felt convinced about recently that you haven't done anything about? You know, maybe there's some stuff in your life, some junk and uh, you have felt convicted, right? But you just kind of keep ignoring it and ignoring it and ignoring it. And hey, what do you know? The more you ignore it, sort of the quieter God's spirit gets in your life. But, but I'm promising you that sin in your life will cause destruction. And if there's a conviction, if there's a convincing in your life, it could be the Holy Spirit trying to tell you something. And so my plea with you is to choose to surrender and follow and obey the Spirit as he convicts and convinces you of both your sin, but also God's love for you. God's love for you. Because sin that is left unchecked will bring death. It will bring destruction in your life. And also this, we are forgiven and free. So there's no longer a reason to hide or continue on because there is something better. God has forgiven you through Jesus of everything you've ever done and ever will do. There's no reason to hide from him. Because Jesus says that it's best because he leaves and the Spirit comes because it will convict us of God's righteousness, right? God's righteousness. Righteousness is that God is holy and perfect and always does what is right. He is the definition 
of what is right, which leads us as sinners to a predicament because he says that he's going to convict people of the coming judgment, right? Judgment is coming. And at the core of our souls, we want judgment. I mean, we live in a messed up, broken, evil world, and you know that there are things happening or have happened that need to be accounted for, right? They need, you know, you want wrongs accounted for and and punished. You want justice for other people, but you want grace for yourself. But how can we, convicted sinners, go into the presence of a holy and righteous judge? Well, you can't. We can't. Unless we have an advocate, someone who stands in our place before that judge which is why Jesus says righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Because Jesus would go to the cross as an innocent man, but be convicted as a criminal in our place and give away his life on the cross, he took all of the condemnation, all of the judgment that we deserve from a holy, righteous God and replaced our sin with his Righteousness, I call it the old switcheroo. When a person confesses their own sins and turns to Jesus, God the Father sees us through Jesus' righteousness. He sees the righteousness of Jesus in order that we are made right with him and do not have to face that judgment and condemnation, and that is the gospel. You're not hearing me this morning. That is the gospel. That is good news, right? That even though every single one of us in here are convicted sinners, that because of Jesus, we stand as perfect in front of a holy and righteous God. He sees the righteousness in Jesus in us. So finally, Jesus finishes his teaching that is to the disciples about the Holy Spirit with this. He says, he will bring me glory, talking about the Holy Spirit, by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives to me. So the focus on this is he will bring me glory, right? So when the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, we bring glory or display the goodness of Jesus to others. And this is an important reminder that the Holy Spirit and, and, and God's ways, God's work in our lives is not always just about us, but what God is continuing to do, to do through us and work in us in our world. Because the best thing that can happen in your lives, in our lives as followers of Jesus, is that Jesus would be reflected through our lives, would be glorified through our lives. That people would see the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, comforting, convicting, convincing us, bearing fruit in our lives, that that would in turn convince them, that it would in turn convince them of who Jesus is and that it would convince them that God is righteous and holy and it would convince them of their own, not only of their own sins, but convict them so that they turn and repent and put their hope in Jesus. Your purpose in this life is to bring glory to God by loving him and loving others. That's it. There's no greater purpose. You couldn't ask for something more incredible than that, which is why I love the prayer from Psalm 115.1 that says, Not to us, O Lord, 
not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. So again, there's a lot of things in life that just don't make sense. Some of you know my story, some of you don't, but I was previously married. And then in 2007, because of my own doing, I take full responsibility, I really messed that marriage up, all right? And we had separated, and during that time, uh, God got a hold of my life and convicted me of my sin, and I gave my life to him and said I would follow him, you know, and I would live my life for God, and he, one of the things I felt God saying was, hey, go and reconcile your marriage. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And I was like gung-ho. I was like, this is going to be incredible. I'm going to get my family back. I'm going to get my wife back. I'm going to write a book about this someday. It's going to be awesome. And my wife and I, we went through some counseling and stuff. Um, then out of nowhere, it was two days before Christmas, I got a message that said, hey, I'm not going to pursue the marriage. The damage had been done. And so we got divorced in 2009. And I'll tell you, I was so frustrated. I was so mad at God. I was so mad. I, said, I was like, God, why would you call me to do this and let it just blow up in my face, right? And, and I, was, I was just angry. But then as time went on, God um, brought a really incredible woman into my life who, who became the wife that I didn't deserve. And she's amazing. And I'm not just saying that because my in-laws will hear this message. She is absolutely incredible, and God has done some amazing things with, the, with what I have broken. And not only is she an amazing wife, but she's an amazing mother. We have a son together. She's an amazing stepmother. She's also an amazing reflection of Jesus, and here's why. Because earlier this summer, her, my daughter, and my ex-wife spent the weekend together going to a concert. And the reason is, is because my wife has chosen to display the grace of Jesus to my ex-wife. And so last night we had dinner with her and we do a lot of things together. And all of that to say is like God will use what we have broken, things that don't make sense, and turn them into what is best for us, right? The bottom line is that what is best for us may not make sense to us. So when, when Jesus talks about this Holy Spirit, how it's being the best for us, here's why. Because the Holy Spirit is my comforter, right? When I'm going through times of trial or sorrow, he's also my advocate. You know, when you feel accused by the enemy, by others, and you need someone to stand beside us, he's the intercessor. I mean, there are times when I don't even know how to pray or what to pray. He's also our counselor. There are times in life where I don't know what to do, and I don't have the wisdom or power to figure it out. He's also our strengthener when we are weak, because I don't have what it takes to make it through this life. And he's also our standby. You know, if there's times in your life when you feel alone, I promise you, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are never alone. Again, what's best for us may not make sense to us, but it's still what's best for us.